hey, kids, get your families to join in saying this with you. This is the verse of the week. Jesus said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that's from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 to 2. And that's our focus for this week. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we gather around your word to reflect on the Bible readings that we've heard, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be at work, to open up our hearts and minds so that we have a clearer picture of you and of our, my relationship with you and what that means for our life today. Be with us and encourage us. Give us a sense of your presence and peace and open up our minds to your grace. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. This week, our focus comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, particularly that verse from chapter 12, verses 9 to 10. But the Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. I'm not sure about you, but I don't really like highlighting my weaknesses. And yet in today's reading, we see that Paul wants to highlight his weaknesses, not to prove how bad a person he is, not to be a target for people to attack him, but for people to see how good God is through him. That despite his weaknesses, despite his flaws, God could still use him and God could still bring blessings to others through him. And so today we're going to focus on why we live relying on God's grace. Why we live relying on grace. Because it's God who says to us, his grace is sufficient for us. Before we go deeper into this concept of grace and why we live relying on grace, I invite you to reflect on and to think about a couple of things. First of all, what does it mean for my relationships with God and others to rely on and be shaped by God's grace? And secondly, how does God's grace for me affect who I am, not just with God, but with others? Those two questions again to think about is, what does it mean for my relationships with God and with others to rely on and be shaped by God's grace? And secondly, how does God's grace for me affect who I am, not just with God, but also with others? One of the things that will help us in understanding the whole concept of why we live relying on God's grace is to have a, a clearer picture about what God's grace is, about what grace is. Grace in the New Testament, in the Greek is charis, in the Old Testament is hesed, and it actually means this. It means gift. It means loving kindness. It means favour. It means goodwill. It means mercy from God. It means an undeserved gift. In other words, grace is something God does for us, even though we don't deserve it, even though we're not even offering anything in return. But grace is something God is doing for us. 
And that's an important concept for us to keep hold of and to continually be reminded of. And we're going to explore more about this as we dig deeper into why we live relying on God's grace. First of all, we live relying on God's grace because God's grace is the foundation and the glue for our relationship with God. Without God's grace, we wouldn't have a relationship with God. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 22 to 24. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are freely justified by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. If you think about it, me and you only have a relationship with God because God wants to have a relationship with us. But not only does he want to have a relationship with us, he's also gone out of his way to make sure that that relationship can not only just start, but can exist for eternity. And he did that by sending Jesus. That's why Jesus is the centre of our faith. That's why Jesus is so important to us. And that's why, we, that's why we say God's grace is the foundation and glue for our relationship with God. Because without God's grace, we have no way to be connected to God and therefore life. But with God's grace, we are connected to God and to life. And so I encourage you to keep that in mind, that we live relying on God's grace because it's the foundation for our relationship with God, but it's also the glue that keeps our relationship together, connected. Now, not everyone sees that. Other religions, often your relationship with God or the divine or whatever they call it, is often dependent on you having to do something. Sometimes you having to do something to prove you're good enough or to live up to expectations, or to obtain a higher standard, or to maintain that standard. But central to the Christian message, the core of the Christian message is that, that it is God's grace alone that is, makes it possible for us to have a relationship with God. This was the key to the Reformation. What led to the Reformation is that Martin Luther discovered in the Bible, rediscovered in the Bible, that it's, we are saved by faith through grace, not by works, not by what we have to do, which was the understanding for many people then. And it's still the understanding for some people today that we are saved by works. And we live in a world that is works Heavily works dependent. You are only going to get places if you do good things, work hard, do all these things. But that's not how God relates to us. God relates to us out of his love, out of his mercies. And that's why we live relying on God's grace. Because it's only God's grace that can give us eternal life. It's only God's grace that can give us a nice, good relationship with him now and forever. And so I encourage you to keep that in mind. It's God's grace that is foundational and keeps our relationship together. Secondly, we live relying on God's grace because God's grace helps us live out who we are meant to be. Paul writing in today's reading said this, 
That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And then he also writes to the church in Ephesus the following. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of his power. This grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. You see, Paul understood that his CV was not good enough for God. His resume was not good enough for God. His background check was not good enough. What about it discounted him out of the running to be a servant of God. But it's God's grace that allowed him to do that. It's God's grace that allowed him and made him who he is to be and made it possible for God to use him to spread the gospel throughout the world. And the same is true for me and you. Often we can think that we're not good enough. Often we can think that we don't have it all together. Sometimes people get paralysed by when you say, oh, look, let's share the gospel, or let's share, like, oh, I'm not, I don't know enough, or I'm not quite there yet, or I'm not the perfect person. People won't accept God's grace because I'm not the perfect Christian. Well, God has good news for you. You don't have to be the perfect Christian. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have the perfect resume. You don't have to pass a security check to be somebody who God can use and will use. In fact, the scriptures are littered with people time over time over again who don't live up to worldly expectations and wouldn't live up to God's expectations without God's intervention, God's grace calling them, bringing them, equipping them and allowing them to be the people they are meant to be. Take, for instance, Moses. Moses said he couldn't speak well. He, couldn't, he, he shouldn't be the one appointed as leader. And yet God still put him in that position and he placed people around him and he gave him the words he needed to say at times. Paul himself, he'd been a persecutor of the Christian church. Somebody that probably, if he had to go through security checks, whether to become a disciple, wouldn't have passed. But God had other plans. God used this person who once persecuted the church to actually be able to lead people. And God can use you and me despite our flaws. And so I encourage you to think about that is that How might God be calling to use you? What are the opportunities God is placing in front of you to share the gospel? But what's holding you back? Maybe the things that are holding you back are the things that you are letting hold you back when God can actually still use you despite those flaws, those problems that you think are weaknesses. You see, we live relying on God's grace because God's grace helps us to live out who we are meant to be. Thirdly, God's grace affects how we relate to others. That's why we live on God's grace. We we live as Christians 
ones who want to be affected by God's grace. Not only are we saved by God's grace, not only is God's grace what gives us the relationship with God, but because of God's grace, we are affected by God's grace and how we relate to others. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 to 6, we hear, Be wise in the way you act towards others. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I've been thinking about this particular passage during these times when I'm hearing news and you hear politicians speak. It's easy to be negative towards them, isn't it? It's easy to be critical of them. But here's a challenge. How might you be able to speak gracefully about them? And how might you be able to speak even gracefully to them? Perhaps even send them a letter to thank them for the work they're doing. Let your conversation be always full of grace. I know for myself, when I hear this passage, it's a reminder to stop and to think. Am I following what the world generally would like to hear, the negativity that some people in the world would like to hear? Am I following um, what Satan would like to do is to put down people, to criticise people, to cut people off? Or am I being open to God using me so that his grace can be seen through me? I'd encourage you to take a few moments to think about how much God has loved you, how much God has blessed you, and how that grace can flow onto others. How you can have God's perspective of others as you interact with them. Someone once said to me, you will never look into the eyes of a person who God doesn't love. Think about that for a moment. You will never look into the eyes of a person who God doesn't love. Think about how they may need God's grace. Take for a moment the the people you're going to meet in the next week. Think about those. Think about how you can share, how you can bring God's grace into the conversation, how you can be graceful to them in the way you respond to them, even if they don't deserve it, in the same way God has responded to you, even though you don't deserve it. Fourthly, why we live relying on God's grace is that God's grace, not fear of the law, becomes the motivator for us to be active in loving God and loving others. Romans chapter 6 verse 14 says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. What's your motivation for doing things? What's your motivation for living in this world, for reacting and and doing things? Is it about how good you are, how strong you are? Is it about you gaining something or achieving something? Or is it so others can experience God's love and grace through you? As people who have been loved by God, as people who God continues to love no matter what, as people who call ourselves Christians, if you call yourself a Christian, may you be motivated by God's grace and not by the law. 
Maybe the, may the reason you do things is so people can get to experience and see and know how good God is through you. And not because you feel like you have to, not because you feel scared that you'll be punished, but because God has this wonderful gift, this wonderful treasure that he wants not just you to know, but the whole world to know. This has been one of the biggest changes in my life. To understand that my motivations should come from God's grace. That I do things not to gut, to protect myself from God. I do things not to gain something from God, but I do things to share God with those I meet, to share God with the people around me so they too can have that same sort of loving relationship that God has for me. It means we stop worrying about ourselves so much and more we worry about others because it's God's grace that becomes our motivator, not fear, not concern, not worry, not looking to get something, but simply because what God has given us, we go and share in the world. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. If you're doing things out of fear, or if you're doing things there to get something, you're living by the law. But if you're doing things because of the love that God has for you, and because you want others to share and receive that love, you're doing that because of God's grace. And that's why we live relying on God's grace. Because we want God's grace to be our motivator as we live in the world. And fifthly, God's grace brings joy and generosity even during difficult times. That's why we live relying on God's grace. Because God's grace is not affected by how good things are going or how bad things are going. God's grace will actually help us through those difficult times, help us to have a different perspective of life. Listen to what happened to one of the churches that Paul ministered to and that he shared their story with. From 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1-2 to 2, we hear, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty whirled up in rich generosity. And that's because they knew despite their earthly situation, despite what was going on around them, they knew they still had a God who loved them. They knew they still had a future with God and with other believers that had been made possible and secured by Jesus Christ's death and resurrection on the cross. That is how much grace had affected them. But not only did they know that they had that, they wanted others to know. And so that that would continue to be generous despite their situations. How might God be calling you to reveal God's grace in the world during your difficult times? What opportunities might exist for you to do so? It's amazing how many stories I've heard of people who have been going through their own tragedy, own difficulty, who have been able then to help others. And because 
people had known they were going through their own difficulty and tragedy. They're helping others. It has this amazing effect of helping people see that it's God at work. And so I encourage you to think about your own self. Come back to our days, our reading today. The situation with Paul, he's going through weaknesses. He's got, he says he's got a thorn in the side. He's got problems. He's got difficulties. We don't know what the thorn in the side is. We don't know what the problems are. But there are issues that people are obviously aware of. And Paul was willing to allow God to use him despite those. And in doing so, God's grace, God's power, God's mercy, God's love became more evident to others. And so what does this mean for us living the faith? First of all, live knowing your relationship with God is totally dependent on God's grace. There's a saying that you can't do anything more to earn God's grace and you can't do anything less for God's grace to be taken away because the truth is God's grace is what is the foundation of our relationship with God and our foundation for our eternal life and our life on earth now. Now it is true that some people will walk away from God's grace. They don't want to have anything to do with God's grace and they will miss out on that. That's like missing out on a great gift. But I encourage you to live knowing your relationship with God is totally dependent on his grace. Secondly, consider how God is able to use you because of your weaknesses. Think about the weaknesses you have. Now, as I said at the start, most of us don't like to focus on our weaknesses. We don't want people to know about them. But how might God be able to use you because of your weaknesses, because of the situation your weaknesses place you in, or because people can see the faith you have despite your problems and difficulties? Take some time to consider how might God be able to use you because of your weaknesses. This has been transformational for many people. And I know one person in particular who said to me they used to worry about people discovering their weaknesses. So they'd cover them up. They'd put on masks. They'd be, they wouldn't have relationships with certain people because they were scared they would find out about things. They were concerned that people would see they weren't good enough for their job or for whatever. And this person said that was really debilitating. They felt scared, but they'd get found out. They were worried they weren't going to be good enough. And then something happened. They heard this voice, this mess, pa- mess passage, and they thought they took a risk. And they thought, what happens if they just be open with their weaknesses and trust God? And what it did was two things. One, it took away all that burden and all that energy they were putting into protecting themselves to them being able to share generously with others. And secondly, many of the people they met, when they discovered that that person had some weaknesses, they were even more interested 
in why they're a person of joy and happiness because of Jesus. So consider how God is able to use you because of your weaknesses. Thirdly, allow God's grace to affect who you are, your reason for living and how you relate to others. My prayer is that for every Christian, that their main motivation for living is to share God's grace in the world. As Christians, we are called to all go and make disciples. As Christians, we are all called to share God's grace wherever we are. That doesn't just mean through words. It also means through actions and our response to others. So pray about that. Pray how God's grace may affect who you are, may affect your reason for living, and may affect how you relate to others. What you say. May this week, for instance, start by thinking about how. How can I respond to situations in a graceful way? And the fourth thing in living the faith is live helping others to see God's grace through you. May that be your motivation. That people get to see God's grace and love through you. I heard a story this week on how to understand God's grace well. And it's to do with a baby fell down a well and was rescued. And as the child grew up, you know, the father said it would have been great to hear you were able to crawl out of the out of the well by yourself and get up here and live and thrive and survive. But that's not the story. That's how many of us would like our stories to be. We have been successful and done this and got out of the difficulties ourselves. But the real story was four people went down to that well and helped that baby up. Helped that baby get out of the well and was able to live. And it took some hours. They were prepared to get dirty and muddy and even risk their own life so that baby could live. And that's our story as Christians. Jesus came into this world so that we could have life. That is grace. And that is how we should see our whole life. That we are here because of God's grace. You see, God's grace not only saves us, it reshapes us and the world we live in. It tells the world because we are saved that God is a loving and graceful God. Not an old ogre, not a demanding God, but a loving and graceful God who wants to have a relationship with you and with me. And when people begin to see that, it reshapes them and the world we live in. Jerry Bridges, a, a, a Christian writer, says this, Your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. I'd encourage you to keep remembering that we rely on God's grace. That God's grace is essential, not just for our eternal life, but our life on this earth. That God, through Jesus Christ, has given us life. And as we live, may we be like God.
May we be graceful, being gracious with others, knowing that they are loved by God and by us. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift of your love and grace. Pour down your Holy Spirit on us and give us a sense of your presence and peace. Help us to live in this world, not with a burden of having to prove ourselves to you, not with the worry of trying to get things from you, but with the knowledge that you live with us because of grace. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.